Michael Feely, thank you for joining me again. Glad to be here. Thank you very much. Uh, nice to be back. You've, uh, you're full of content, mate. I follow your work quite closely. Uh, we, we're from similar parts of the world. People will probably be able to tell by our accents. I'm a black country boy and I think you're a broomy. Would that be right? Well, well I'm, I'm from Warsaw, which is close. Oh, that's close. Uh, yeah. Probably about seven mile difference. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's actually a moat around uh, between us. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to keep them out. Yeah. Um, your content, mate, is quite esoteric, I think is probably the, the, the best word I can use to describe it. A question that always comes up for me is, where do you get this information from? Is it intuitive or is it something you're consuming and then decoding yourself? It's a bit of both, in, in all honesty. Uh, I seem to just have this in, innate recognition of things. And I can look at something, I can look at a geometry, I can look at a symbol, I can look at a word, and I can just see that there's something there that it's a bit to be prized open, to, to, to be brought forth. So a lot of the things I will look into, but I'll look into it from a different perspective. You know, anybody can say, I mean, for argument's sake, you know, what is the true meaning of Christmas? Anyone could just type that into, you know, Dr. Google and, and get yeah. an explanation. But if it's so easy to get the explanation, then it's not particularly a deep one. So my my things on it is just to keep digging and digging and digging and digging until I feel satisfied with the answer, knowing that it's true. Mm. Uh, and not just, you know, Dr. Bing, Dr. Google sort of explanation. A lot of the things as well will come into my head as, as, as an idea. And the idea sometimes will also have a question and an answer within the same moment. So I'll, I'll just see an image, I'll just have a, a thought of something. And I will look into that thought and things will become revealed to me. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll think of, you know, when, when I'm looking into the mathematics of, of ancient monuments, I'll just think of mathematics that's not been thought of, I don't think before. And, and you know, look at the, the size of, of the things and then divide it by another significant number. And it reveals another significant number that, that relates to other things of, of research that I'm doing. So it's all of the above, really. Uh, intu intuition, listening, digging so deep that you find you know, the, the level that you expect and the level that you want. So it really is, you know, answer A to E and, and tick, tick all of them. Because that, that's how things happen. And, and it's it's often a difficult question to answer because to try and explain to someone that the idea, the question and the answer comes into my head at the same time is, is quite difficult to explain. Mm. I guess that the way I would do it is if you imagine Isaac Newton walking across the field or sitting beneath the tree, whichever variation turns out to be true, but he sees the apple fall out of the tree and having seen the apple fall downwards, it creates this new theory in his head. Why did it fall down and not up and not sideways? And, and it's that kind of idea, that kind of question that starts for me. And it's the same kind of thing, you know, why Why is the pyramid 481 feet high? Why? why? Because there's a reason for it. So all of these things, they, they come in as a thought, and then I investigate the thought, and then I answer the, the, the question. And that's really how that the process begins for me, which it can sometimes be a matter of days. Sometimes it can be a matter of seconds. I think it was uh, uh, Nikola Tesla, didn't he say something like he'd write, the, write something in his notepad, go to sleep, and then wake up with the answer? 
and, and that's, that's sort of what I'll get with you a little bit. That's that's what happens to me as well. If if, if I, I mean, some some I always you know I've always got the phone now because I'm a technophobe or anything like that, or I'm a one of the modern day teenager that never looks up from the screen. <laughs> I have the phone around because when I'm out and about or when I'm doing something, I can always text myself with ideas or, or inspirations that have come so I can look at it and, and I don't have to remember it. So it's, it's that kind of thing as well. And if, if I go to bed and, and say I have an idea, then I will specifically say, by tomorrow, I want the answer. And on every single occasion, I will get the answer the next day. So yes, it is that kind of, mm. is that kind of process. And what would you perceive that to be? Would you think that's like the soul searching in the, in the let's call it, the, for the lack of a better term, spiritual domain? I think that there's, there's so many existences that are, that, that's, that are in existence around us. And when you look at the quantum field or the quantum data, it, it's basically a, a library of universal knowledge. Mm-hmm. But because we are made up of the same materials then we are also part of that library and a lot of the time we access the particular book of knowledge that we need and when you become in tune with that quantum field the quantum data which some people call the akashic records but when you're in tune with that and when you access that then you have basically access to every single piece of information that's ever been inputted into the universe in the existence of the universe it's just that a lot of people have isolated themselves, separated themselves, and they don't even know that there is a library. So it can be a, a sort of a, a different aspect of self. It can be the fact that I've tuned into tuned into this information that is always around us. It could be the fact that I'm tuned into existences that I know exist around us. And it is a, really a case of uh, adjusting your awareness, adjusting your consciousness to be able to see and experience and interact with these things. And most people, most of humanity, have gone so far into matter that that then becomes an absolute reality. That is all they can ever see. They only ever see a physical body. They only ever see, you know, working nine to five, Dolly Parton sort of uh, philosophy. <clears throat> but they've they've forgot how to interact. They forgot that these interactions exist and that they are entitled to interact with them. So. This is this is the kind of thing, you know, when you tap into it, when you know that it's there, then you basically just take the information that you want, what is readily accessible to it to anyone. And what degree do you think is the the conditioning that goes on culturally, societally, all around the world? What degree do you think that conditioning is playing in keeping people from what you just said is you can call it the Akashics or whatever? Is that done on purpose, do you think? Largely, largely on, on purpose. If you look at throughout recorded history, and a lot of recorded history is false, deliberately false history, but recorded history in every single civilization, in every single culture, in one degree of description or another, it talks about a negative force. Now, you know, if you go to Islam, they will call it the jinn. If you go to, you know, Christianity, they will call it the devil or the demons. Every culture has a different name for the same negative current. And it's that negative current that has kept humanity from the truth. As I say, that with daily struggles, with the way things are happening, it takes people further and further and further into matter. Now, the law of matter is the character that we know of Satan. So the law of spirit is what the character that we redeem as God. The law of matter is Satan. 
So they are complementary halves of each other. Mm. And one is always with duality, with polarity, that when unity separates and we get what we have as a reality now, which is duality, there always has to be a simultaneous existence of the opposite. So at the moment, I'm talking to you because this body of flesh and blood is manifest and death is unmanifest in simultaneous existence. At some point, they will swap positions and death will become manifest and life will become unmanifest. And then at some point again, they will swap positions again and that is reincarnation. That is the same as everything. You know, throughout the year, we will see reincarnation in trees, in plants, <clears throat> in nature. That That is just the, the cyclic nature of reality. And those who understand that, and those who understand the human psychology, and those who understand that with this kind of knowledge, it gives people power, it makes them realize their true potential. It makes them realize what they truly are. So if you wish to, to control these people, the last thing you want them to know is how powerful they are. Because the only power that you have against them is the power that they give you through mm -hmm. coercion, through acquiescence, through through manipulation, through different things. So it is my view, <clears throat> much of the, the ancient knowledge has been hidden for various reasons. You know, some of it, the, the, the likes of, you know, tarot cards were a way in which the Knights Templars would keep secret information from the priests of the Church of Rome that then later developed into the modern day playing cards. When we look at the likes of dominoes and dice, that, is, that was a means, again, of communicating secret information to keep it from the church. But some of the information <clears throat> was kept from the public because in the wrong hands, it could be devastating. And some of the knowledge was kept away from the public because there, are, there, there is a small section of, should we say, those in, in, in possession of the knowledge that wishes to keep it from us. Mm -hmm. And we have, obviously, the, the, the knowledge keepers that wish to pass that knowledge but we also have the ancient initiates and the modern day initiates whose knowledge has been degraded to black magic. And that is what is going on at the moment. <clears throat> so it, it's largely deliberate and everything that goes on in global politics, everything that goes on in the world goes on because somebody somewhere wishes it to be that way. Mm. And that's quite difficult for a lot of people to comprehend, mate, isn't it? Because they don't want to think that they're completely out of control of worldly events that really psychologically that's very difficult for people to to comprehend it is i mean again you look at the way in which the world is you look at the, the, the way in which the world is being basically run for profit it's being run for profit which isn't sustainable which is which is bringing the demise to, to planet earth which is our host planet if you look at all the things that if the right people were in charge with the right motives for the good of all and not for the quick book, not for the, the capitalist gain. Can you imagine the things that we could achieve? And could you imagine how far forward we would have been as a race than what we are now? If you think that we could not cure harmlessness, we could not cure poverty, we could not cure famine overnight, we could. But the people who we so-called elect, the psychopaths who run the place, do not want the end the famine, the end to homelessness, the end to the, the, the thumb screws that are coming our way now and imminently with, with the increasing prices of every single thing across the board because they want to screw people to, the, to nail them to the cross. They really do. And certain events in the world give them the justification in which to do that. 
And when you look at the Obama administration and you look at Rahm Emanuel, who once said and was recorded and publicly documented as saying, never let a good crisis go to waste. So when something happens in the world, that is immediately used to push a certain view, a certain worldview, a certain opinion. And that is what we're seeing. And yes, they're blaming Putin news of that invaded Ukraine. Yes, but now that becomes an excuse for the greedy capitalists to nail us to the cross with an increasing price in everything. Because they want people to suffer. They get a kick out of people suffering. They get a kick out of people really, really suffering. And more and more people are going to be suffering in the coming months. And that is all manipulated and deliberate. Mm. And to what degree would you perceive higher forces having this? So not necessarily, I'd, I'd argue, you know, um, ETs or things like that, but, but more, more to do with, um, let's, let's use the word God, which has a lot of dogma around it, but let's suppose this is one divine plan that's unfolding itself. What can really, we really do in that, in that unfoldment? Isn't it just happening as it should happen anyway? Well, what you see is when you actually take yourself up a few levels above what is happening on the ground level, mm. You know, the, the best view that you have of the battlefield is often from the air. So, you know, you have your reconnaissance, you have your satellites, because you can see a more panoramic view of what is happening. Mm -hmm. So when you when you bring it up a couple of notches and you actually look at the bigger picture, then some of the things that are happening are really an opportunity for people to see what is going on. You know, and, and I'll come up with the phrases, how many lifts do you need before you realise you've been taken for a ride? Because now we are basically seeing who they are, what their intention is, and how they're doing it. So this is really now an opportunity to change things. And when you talk about a grand plan, there is a grand plan. And that grand plan is going to unfold regardless of what happens on the ground. But people misinterpret that grand plan as, you know, Christ is going to come out of the clouds in a white horse. You're going to have a UFO that lands on the Guardian of, of the White House. When you look at See, the, 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 way, the, the things that I talk about, or certainly the, the interpretations of old subjects, what I find is many people and many people of, of, of recognition are simply following in the same tracks. So in other words, it is always the same interpretation. It is always the same, this is what it is, when in fact it is not that way. And all you have in it is... is people after people after people after people repeating the same things. So what I decided a long time ago is let's have a look at this, these things from a fresh point of view. Let's have a look at what they are. And let's, let's, let's create my own tracks and not just follow the ones that, that you know, the tractor Farmer Giles has put there for me to follow and for everyone else to follow. Because that's their opinion, that, that's their view. So let's have a look at it from a different perspective. So what are ETs? Well, if you ask somebody from the, the, the UFO community, you'll get a completely different answer. ETs are advanced spiritual humans. They basically went through various self-processes time and time and time ago on Earth in different places to they reached such a development that they were no longer compatible with the vibration of this planet. So they are advanced spiritual humans. Now, because they are related to us, they are technically our brothers, our sisters, our bloodline, why wouldn't they want to come back 
to help us because after all we are them so they are spiritually advanced humans that are now continuing the journey of development in a different solar system in a different vibration in a, a different chemical environment so yes they are here to help what i also find is the people who scream for help are the ones that never give any help they're, they, they're just there just to be just to be saved we all have a part to play and that part to play is we need to remove the ignorance from our own absolute reality and so <clears throat> we need to look into these things and we need to research these things and we need to question the people who are telling us these things now what we have at the moment are pathological liars who we rely upon to give us the truth since when does a liar tell you the truth it's, it's, it's in their very nature not to do that so we need to see through we need to become adults we need to grow up and we need to start questioning now why why is it that you are justifying my broadband and my phone bill going up because president putin has invaded ukraine why why does my council tax need to go up next year because president putin has invaded ukraine why break it down to me justify it to me because i'm not accepting it let's stop accepting it start questioning it we are the ones who vote these psychopaths into power we are the ones that give these psychopaths our power to use against us we are putting our trust in the wrong hands mm -hmm. and we need to to say <clears throat> open our eyes and see what we're doing because we are equally responsible for what is going on now why why do Elephants and rhinos get massacred every day because somebody somewhere is buying the ivory. We'll then stop buying the ivory and it stops the elephants and the rhinos getting massacred. You know, it's the market forces where we have this kind of power that we can take back. Now, have a think about what's going on. Have a think about your position and, and just think outside the box. You know, if you want to leave a planet for your children, for your grandchildren, for your great grandchildren, and start to think about what's going on and start to question and start to put the right people in charge because really you know you, you look at the likes of china when you you know how many people do you have in the government of china how many people do you have in the population of china so why is the government of china ruling everyone and dictating to everyone you know we, we need to, to to think where the power lies and we need to have a serious conversation with ourselves as to what direction we wish to go in so yes there is divine help yes there is a divine plan and that plan will unfold but you know if you want luck in your life if you want magic in your life then you have to be there and, that, and that's really what what we need to start doing and we need to start thinking about what's going on and how how our behaviors and our actions can change things we've over the last uh, particularly i think since probably world war ii we've had a society that in particular, because it's gotten more and more comfortable since then, people don't want the responsibility of thinking. They don't want to take that ownership because they don't have to anymore. The thinking is being done for them through social media, through mainstream media. So how do we get people? Um, I mean, it's not for me or anyone else to save anybody, but to start taking ownership for themselves and for the, the actions and their be own behaviours, how do we know? Because it's been so comfortable, how do we get them to take that back? 
And what you said at the beginning is really pinnacle in all this is it's responsibility. Mm-hmm. If you if you realize what is going on, then you have to take responsibility for what is going on because you are largely responsible for what is going on because you are allowing it. So that really is is a big problem where people need to, to raise their maturity to start thinking and start taking responsibility for what is going on. Yes, everybody now has their their thoughts created for them. Of course, the consequence of what is planned down the line, um, which is why over many years now, you know, the human mind has been overtaken by IT and AI, is because eventually, and, and this is not just pie in the sky, this, this is documented fact. The idea, and this is the reason we have smartphones, smart grids, smart cars, smart meters, because they, they intend to connect the human brain to a computer. And they have even said, and I quote, when we do that, the human aspect will be inconsequential. They're trying to turn us into robots. And this is why, you know, you have your Facebook, your Twitter, all of these different things that are now thinking for you to such an extent that they're able to predict your life by your habits, by your viewing habits, by the... So the only thing next is to actually plug us in. So... For all the people who are listening, for all the people who know people who will speak to those who are listening, if you wish to continue down the path of no responsibility, of not trying to do anything, then that is what's going to happen. And if you want that to happen, then continue down this path. Now, my, my, my father-in-law says to me the other day when we were at a family uh, gathering, he said, well, it's coming in anyway. And I said, only if we let it. Nothing's coming in if we say no. Mm -hmm. There's no point turning around and saying, well, it's going to happen anyway, so why fight it? Because there's a lot of state, a lot of of stake here if you don't fight it. If you turn around and say, well, it's coming in anyway, so forget it. There's my arm. There's a plug socket. Do it. Then it will come in. If you turn around and say, no way, no thanks, then it won't. Because you see, we have the power they don't. Mm. I, I think that, you know, you know, social media platforms. Yeah. When we're like at each other's throats and, you know, abusing each other and all this, the, the duality that you mentioned earlier, you've got that, that side and that side, and there's no one that can take a step off the spectrum. Look at things objectively, try and communicate to a level that fits everybody in and, and, and it's more interactive. What I think is happening on social media, I see it on Twitter in particular, it's a great platform to see it. I believe AI is being built through our interactions and it's, it's sort of reading everything that we're doing in order to become like us. And I'm looking at these platforms thinking, this is a cesspit, what we've got here. And if this is what we're building, it's going to be a mess. We really need to sort ourselves out and the AI will sort of take care of itself based on who we become. Absolutely. Now, when you look at, you know, the likes of how many people now have Alexa in their house, how many people know that everything you say is being recorded, how many people have smart TVs, how many people know that you can actually be watched mm. remotely through your TV. Everything that you do is being monitored, and it's being monitored for a purpose. Now, when you see all of these, these people arguing and, and putting their point of view in, in social media, then the most sensible thing to do is step away and not get involved. 
because otherwise you're going to spend days and days and days trying to get out of quicksand. So leave them to it. You don't have to be involved in that. Mm. You know, be sensible, be of a higher knowledge, be of a higher consciousness and walk away. Because let them get on with it. If, if they're not sensible enough to see what is going on, then leave them to it. Just because there's a, a you know, I, I walk past a nightclub and there's a massive fight outside, doesn't mean to say that I have to get involved. I just cross over and I walk on. If they're stupid enough to, to get involved in that, then they can take the consequences of that. For me, when I, when I talked about the, the duality, the important thing is for self-preservation is to step out of duality, is to look at it from a place of non-duality, which is, which is a neutral the neutral force. And the, the, there's, there's nothing wrong with going in briefly and coming out of either side and coming out, but it's a mistake to be made. And again, it comes down to, can I completely change the, the consciousness of humanity? No, I can't. But they can. And sometimes the most obvious things need to be pointed out in order for them to increase their consciousness and their understanding of what is really going on. If you look at Earth, you know, and many people have referred to it as, as a prison, just imagine for one moment that it is a prison. And just imagine for one moment that the only way that you're going to get parole is when you raise yourself. And if you don't raise yourself, and if you don't get smart, and if you don't get savvy to what is going on, and you don't advance yourself and increase yourself, you are there for life. You have a life sentence. And by life sentence, I mean you're going to keep getting recalled. And when you raise yourself, when you are no longer compatible with the vibrations of the planet, you ain't coming back. But until you've reached a certain level of maturity of spiritual being, it will be a prison recall time and time and time and time again until you get it. Mm-hmm. So it really, there's more at stake than people realise. And it's a multiple level stake that is going on. And to what degree, Michael, do you think the fear of death and the fear of dying plays in all of this? Because I look at AI and they're trying to keep consciousness, individual consciousness going. And if you look at Western medicine in particular, they just try and prolong life. They don't really study health. They just study illness and stopping death. To what degree do you think that fear of death, which is essentially a natural, the natural urge to preserve oneself, that underlying current, do you think that that is what's actually causing these issues, a lack of uh, development in relationship to death? People have always tended to fear what they don't understand. So when you are programmed to believe that you are born, you know, you are immortal for a limited time, and then you pass on and, and that is the end. You know, your church tells you that death is the end. Your medical science tells you that death is the end. Mm-hmm. Your your people who, who are the captains of the ship of life tell you that death is the end. And because we don't understand what death is, then of course people fear what they don't know. When you understand that things in, in, in a physical capacity were only ever meant to be a temporary thing, a temporary experience. But the essence that animates you, you know, that the hand inside the glove never ceases. So again, unity separating into duality creates simultaneous existence. One is manifest, one is unmanifest, but nevertheless they live together. 
you can have no other way if you want a reality, if you want knowledge, if you want any means of perception, you have to have a comparable. And that is what we have. And as I said at the beginning, at the moment, what is manifest is life. What is unmanifest, unseen, is death. At some point, they will swap positions, but then they will swap positions again. When you look at everything else in the universe, that is how it works. When you look at the universe itself, at some point it will extinguish because nothing in matter, which is as close to physical as you can get really, is not permanent. You have the infinite and you have the finite. So even the creative force itself has to develop and has to move on. So nothing is real. So everything that you you don't understand, you fear. And of course, yes, that plays, you know, you plays on your mind, you know, well, I've got to get a certain amount done in my life because it's only limited and you don't know when it's going to end and, and I must do it now and I must all do it once instead of realising. I mean, some cultures see death as a celebration because it's a change of worlds, the change in the mm-hmm. worlds. It is not a death as such. It's, it's almost like taking your kilt off after a great experience, putting it on the kiltanger and then putting it on a new kilt. That's how they see death of, of the physical body. It's a celebration, a changing of the worlds. Now, when you look at medical health and you look at the way society is structured, they will never get to the bottom of truth because they only ever deal with the effects, not the cause. If I go to the doctor and say, doctor, I've got a bad knee, the doctor will look at the knee. He'll probably give me anti-inflammatories for the knee. But what is causing for the bad knee? All the doctor is doing is treating the effect. What is causing that effect? And unless you get to the root of the cause, you can never cure the effect. You can only ever treat the effect, but you're treating the wrong thing. And that is really, it seems to be the psychology of how we do things. We, we you know, we, we, we fight fires and feed flames at the same time. We, we, we just, we don't look at things from the right perspective. You know, our science looks in the wrong place. If you want to answer the mysteries of the universe, you look at the mysteries of the body because the body is the universe. If you understand yourself, you understand everything else. And that, and that is where it's wrong. When you look at archaeology, archaeology is looking in the wrong place. It is looking in the ground. When you Yes, okay, you find a certain amount of history when you find Roman coins and Anglo-Saxon coins and you put it in a nice museum and you say this is history. But they're looking in the wrong place because the, the mysteries of the universe and the natural law is within the monuments and monoliths of the world. It is not underground. It is in stone. They are looking in the wrong place. And until they start looking in the right place, they're not going to find what they're looking for. You know, the answer to the mystery, the, the answer to the mystery is within the mystery itself. And the body is the mystery because it is all of those things in miniature form. So yes, we do fear things we don't understand, but we are purely looking at an effect rather than a cause. The cause is infinite. It is eternal. And we are a fragment of infinity. In infinity. So how can we ever desist from existing mm-hmm. we just exist in a different way and that's where i'm completely in alignment with that and that's where the fear of death although there's always a natural because you're part of the natural kingdom there's always that natural fear of you know if someone's going to run at you with a gun or something there's always that natural thing that you're going to hide or whatever but there's like an in, an intuitive uh non-fear it, it's although it's there you sort of have the, the 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 undercurrent that it's not actually anything to be fearful of. 
Um, that's that's how I've sort of as I've developed as spiritually and whatever. That's sort of how I live my life now. I look at what's going on in the world today, and everyone's worried about nuclear bombs and all this. And I'm just thinking, well, if the nutcase drops a nuclear bomb, well, so whatever, man. But I'll sort of, you know, but people can't grasp that thinking. I don't think they think I'm sort of a nihilist or something. No, you, you, you've got to. I mean, of course, nobody wants to see a nuclear bomb dropped anywhere because that is the end of existence as you know it but when you understand existence you realize that that is not the end and if a nuclear bomb was to be dropped then what's the worst thing that can happen i'll exist somewhere else really you know and and if you imagine that all of these all of these illusions all of these false realities that that make up people's jigsaw puzzle of of life that is probably the, the thing that they fear most because deep down they realize the end of this illusion is the end of them. Mm. So they keep up the illusion and society keeps up the illusion. There is only one existence and that is the creative force. Everything else is a pair of eyes for the creative force to experience in itself, to recognize itself, to understand itself, to develop itself, to move on. So we are all a pair of eyes for the creative force. So if my eyes close, then I'll see somewhere else. And that really, when you understand that, it, again, it removes all fear. You know, the, the, the greatest weapon that anybody ever has against someone is fear. You know, you do this or else. Do this or this is going to happen to you. Worship me, worship what we are telling you, otherwise you're going to hell eternity you're going to burn in hell for eternity because you don't believe what we believe convert to what we are saying otherwise we're going to massacre you we're going to put you upside down on a cross and torture you because we worship the god of love you know people are virgin psychopaths themselves when they people have said to me you know you, you don't you don't believe in Christ, you, you, you're going to be tormented in hell. And I said, is that the love of Christ coming out of you? You know, <laughs> people don't think what, that, that, that they're speaking before they think. I mean, I mean, the, the, the most natural process is you have a thought, that thought is controlled, that thought then becomes verbalised so other people know what that thought is because they hear it through the voice, through sound. But a lot of people are just speaking without thinking. It's, it's a reverse of process. And when you point these things out to them, sometimes it makes them realise, sometimes it makes them more angry because then they realise that they're wrong. But, you know, thou shalt not worship graven images. And then when I walk into a church, there's graven images everywhere. So people are not thinking and people are fearing because they don't understand and they are told what is true. They are told what to believe. They are told what to think. They are told how to live. They live their life by what Google tells them. They live their life by what somebody else tells them. Instead of taking their power back and their responsibility back and leading the life that they want. And we have a long way to go. We have a long way to go. But, as I said, if, we, if we'd have put the right mind with the right people, with the greater good at the forefront, we'd have been far, far advanced than we are now. I'm a student of um, shamanism. And uh, the, the history behind it, 
particularly the British Isles, there's a lot of history there. Um, do you think we've fallen since then? Or do you think we've evolved in, well, evolved? Because to me, I look at it and I think these guys were so in tune with the mysteries in the universe. And we're so out of touch with what's, well, what I perceive to be the deeper and more fundamental, meaningful things of life. We can't have evolved from that point. We must have gone backwards. Because we've been steered the wrong way, down the wrong path. Now, when, when you look at every single world, it's not just on Earth, but I'll just deal with Earth, but when you look at every single monolith and monument around the world, that is telling us of a time when knowledge and wisdom for the good of all reigned upon the Earth. Every time you look at one, that is what it's telling you, because it was a different viewpoint. It was a different level of knowledge and a different level of consciousness that ruled at that time. They were able to speak mind to mind through telepathy. They were able to travel the stars. They were able to leave their body. They're able to remote view. They're able to travel time through their consciousness. They were able to lift stones. They were able to cut stones with sound. They were able to do all of these things that we have to do by external things. We have to do things by phones, but they used to do with their mind. That to me is going backwards. That's not going forwards. What we have, if, if you look really, really back into, and, and again, what I'm writing about and what I'm doing now is, is, is going to cover this in, in more detail. But in the past, there was a, a, an advanced spiritual race that basically ruled the earth. And they ruled the earth through knowledge and through wisdom. What happened was they lost their power to people who were intent on power, intent on greed, intent on squandering the complete resources of Earth themselves. And as a result of that, we were taking down a completely different path, a completely different evolution. Those people are still ruling today. The ones that want money, the ones that want the power, the ones that want, you know, 97% of Earth's resources and, and leave the rest of the population with the 3%, which they then tax you for. That is what we have. We, we have the wrong people in charge. We have the wrong captains in, in steering our ship. And until we remove ourselves from their grip, which is part of the divine plan, we are not going to return back to how it was and how it should have been. So, yes, it, it does signify a complete reversal. And you can say, well, you know, I can speak from here to, to the other side of the world by Skype. I can pick my phone up and, and speak to anybody. I can go onto the internet. You know, we are technically advanced. I can travel to the moon, but so could they, but they didn't need phones. They didn't need internet. They didn't need rocket ships. They did it through the powers of themselves in connection with everything else. So the very fact that we have to create external things to do what they did internally is not a progression. It's going backwards. But people see, you know, technology and the growth of technology as, as a good thing. It's only a good thing if you have the spiritual maturity that goes with it. Because, and, and, and as also I said at the beginning, a lot of this information was hidden because the information in the wrong hands would be complete devastation. And now, can you imagine now a, a humanity as immature as it is having the power of manifestation? You know, manifest me a magnum. I want to be dirty Harry today. 
that is the kind of maturity that, that, that people operate with. It takes an advanced spiritual mind to use these powers for the good, not for the bad. You know, the force is just the force. It's how you use it, Luke. But when you have people with that kind of power at their fingertips, it is dangerous to all of us. Yeah. Um, you mentioned advanced races there. Um, would that be Atlantean, Lumerian, or would it be pre all that? Well, Atlantean and, and Lumerian is, is really a metaphor for the advanced mind. Right. So when you look at what is Atlantis, well, Atlantis is the mind, and the, the, the crystals of Atlantis is the crystalline sections of the mind. Lemuria is the same. Lemuria basically is is a metamorphosis. So the word mu, you can go into the serpent, into the water. And it's spoken about walking serpents on, on Lemuria. Well, that really, a serpent represents a metamorphosis. So those who have gone through an internal metamorphosis are the serpents. You know, the, the, the serpent has always been considered the vehicle for messianic consciousness because this is the Kundalini that pushes the, the Isle of the United One to Golgotha to, to be resurrected. So Atlantis, really, when you look at the, the spine, which is the highway to enlightenment, and ironically, the spine is the same word as fish in Egyptian, which is Semek. So when you see the Christian images of the fish, they're talking about the spine, which is the highway to the Christ. But the, the spine, Jacob's ladder, has 33 vertebrates. The 33rd vertebrate is medically known as Atlas. Now, Atlantis means the island of Atlas. So when you see in Greek mythology, Atlas holding up the world, he's holding up the illumination of the mind. So you have Atlantis, which is a pineal gland, which is an island, because it is surrounded by cerebral spinal fluid. That is the island that rules the seven islands, as Plato described it. The seven islands are the chakras. And the seat, the, the, the mercy seat, the master, is the throne, the throne, the throne of his glory. So Atlantis is a higher consciousness that operated upon the earth. It's not necessarily a place. It is a situation, <laughs> circumstance, a state, yes. And that is that is really what it is talking about. And that is obviously, Mark, when you look at the likes of the heads of East Ireland, wow. that is why you only see the heads, because they're, they're telling you to concentrate on, on, on the divine mind. Now, when you look at Goblet it's the same kind of thing. When you look at the pyramids, certainly that, that represents the higher level of man. You know, the sons of God, not the sons of men. And that really is what the whole of the ancient world has left for us to realise. It, it, it's, it's a legacy. It is a legacy of wisdom and knowledge. And within that concrete, within that stone, they are telling us how to emulate them, how to emulate what they did. You know, and when you look at stone, well, stone is significantly important because stone, Iben, means father and son. So then you then bring the Bible into it. What is stone? It is the perfect cube. What is the perfect cube? It is perfected knowledge. So all of these things you see are, are there for a reason, that they won't just put there randomly because they look good, or they thought, well, in, you know, in, in X amount of years' time, there's going to be tourists coming on couches and riding camels and having a good time. 
it wasn't built for that reason. It was it was a legacy to remind us of the knowledge and the wisdom that once reigned upon the earth. And if we wish to return to that knowledge and wisdom, then we need to emulate the knowledge and the wisdom that they were teaching and the things that they were doing in order to bring about that knowledge and wisdom. It is a reminder, quite a quite a significant reminder when you know when you get to when you get to Cairo, when you get to the Giza Plateau and you see these massive, massive Toblerones, you know, almost the size of Black Ball Tower. They are there. And again, the sizes and the mathematics are significant as well. Now the Sphinx, what is what is the mystery of the Sphinx? The mystery of the Sphinx, the riddle of the Sphinx is man. It is the self. It is telling you how to project yourself, to advance yourself, to evolve yourself, to emulate the masters of knowledge. Now, these masters of knowledge were symbolized by the lion. That is why you have the swing speaking as a lion. The face, the face always tells the story of, of the inner, inner person, the inner process. So the face of the Sphinx represents the inner transformation as an outer countenance, an outer face. It is the masters, the sons of God, not the son of God, as the Bible tells us, the sons of God, because they operated in the seventh plane of existence, which is divine consciousness. And when you operate in the seventh plane of existence, the seventh sphere, the seventh day of creation, where when you reach that, you are unified. So that's when you can rest. That is your Sabbath. When you operate at that level, knowledge, you have a direct contact with the creative force. And that is what they were doing. That is what they're telling us. And that is what they wish us to emulate. And that is the real meaning of the word know thyself. Know thyself. When, when, you, look at, when you look at the word self, Two middle letters are E-L. E-L is God. E-L is also 17. The 17th, of course, level is the entrance level of the Great Pyramid. When you add up all the numbers 1 to 17, it gives you 153. There's 153 fish of Christ, 153 days of his ministry. The Vesica Pisces, which is Mary Magdalene, the inner, the inner part of it is 153 as a unit from left to right. The Grand Gallery is 153 feet long, there's 153 steps. One plus five plus three is nine, which is completion, which is perfection. So it is all telling us numerically and in different ways how to emulate them, what they're talking about, how they did it, how they operated from a higher sense than what we do. So yes, know thyself. And you can't know anything unless you know yourself. And that is really what, what they're telling us. And, and we have a, a gigantic line of the desert that tells us to focus on self. And that would be the pyramids? The, the, the Sphinx rep, uh, is symbolic of the advanced race. Mm. And the pyramids is really symbolic of many things, but, it, but it's really the, the legacy of, of advanced knowledge, uh, which was from a divine mind operating from a divine mind and a legacy of, of advanced consciousness and advanced self-development. And, you know, we, we often leave clues for future races. You know, there's this bit, I mean, even when I was at school, we, we put time capsules in the ground with things that were going on now. You know, the Americans have done the same with with history of Earth, with, with people, with, with everything. 
we, we often leave things for future generations and that is what we have in the monoliths and monuments of these great places. They have left their time capsule of knowledge, of wisdom. And when you, you go to some of these places, there are things that happen that you can't see. When you go to the south side of the Great Pyramid, at the top of the Great Pyramid, and you say certain words in a certain way, in a certain frequency, at a certain time, stones move that you can't see. They move, they open up, and there are entrances to certain chambers. Within those chambers, and they have been found in expeditions, that is basically the instructions of advanced technology that have been insulated. So when you see a lot of the, the, the shafts that have been sealed, that is because this, this, this technology that would be dangerous in the wrong hand has been insulated inside these great monuments. One day when we are mature enough, they will again be revealed to us. So you, you really do have this legacy of, of, of advanced knowledge, of advanced technology, of advanced spiritual development, which is insulated into one singular place. So that about the pyramids there, where you said you say certain words, syllables, whatever, certain frequencies. Why don't we know that? Or, or, or I suppose the answer would be because we're not ready for it. But who is doing that today to find that out? Or is that just come to you through intuition? We don't know about it because, for one, it is a secret. And it, it was a secret because, again, it needed to be kept a secret from the people who would have misused it. The profane. Yeah, so, so they, they kept it secret. But what also happened was almost an alarm clock. They set this time capsule of knowledge to be reawoken at a certain time. Now, when I've looked at Egyptian star charts and star codes, which then later formulated the Hebrew calendar, the Hebrew calendar or, or, or the the dynamics of it and the secrets of it and where it came from was hidden in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Those scrolls were taken by the Knights Templar and they were hidden. And I found out where they've hidden them. And that is in Roslyn Chapel in Scotland. They tell you of a 360 year cycle, which is the Hebrew calendar. They also tell you that on the 17th, and again, let's go back to the number 17, which was talking about the entrance level, the 153, the 17th, the 17th 360-year cycle would be when this knowledge would be re-emerged. That 17th 360-year cycle is now. So it's starting to come back. Slowly but surely, it's starting to come back. And it has a passion to come back. It was timed to come back. It was always going to come back now because they deemed it all of these thousands and thousands of years ago, it, it wasn't three and a half thousand to five thousand that Zawi Hawass and the Egypt, Egyptologists are telling us. I've doubted the Great Pyramid at just under 74,000 years of age. So it's a long time ago. They knew that it would probably stand the best chance now as being the most timely, the most, most beneficial, and would stand the most chance of being used correctly now. And more and more people, and I've noticed more and more people, I've also noticed a greater and greater separation as a result. But there are more and more people who are beginning to see things 
understand things, or question things. And the amount of people that, that are now, you know, are, are random emails to me, random messages to me, I've just seen this symbol, what does it mean? And I've just seen these words, what do they mean? The more and more people are beginning to take notes. And, and, you know, and I was just saying the other day to, to an American audience, when you see a, a vehicle logo, when you see a brand logo, when you see certain ancient architectures, such as a church, it is a language. It is hidden truth being transited through a secret language. When you understand that, you will then start to see that language. And I said to, to give you a tip, 99%, probably even more, of all of these symbols that you are seeing relate to a higher consciousness. So that now gives you a, a key to this new language that you will now discover. Because that is what it is talking about. Now, when, and, and I use the, the Apple logo as, as an example. You know, why, why is there a bite out of the Apple logo, the Apple Corporation? Because creation is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So as I was saying earlier about duality, you have to have a simultaneous existence. You have to have comparables. If I was to say to you now, how do you feel? I feel great. How do you know that you feel great? Because last week you felt ill. So you have that comparable, which formulates our perception of reality. So creation itself, by separation its duality, is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam represents the fall of man, the sixth civilization, the fall. Because when we come from a spiritual place to a physical place, there is a fall, there is a sacrifice. It is the place of sacrifice through the womb, through the Holy Grail. When we become union with ourself, once again, when we make our unconscious conscious, we walk on water. So in other words, there is now part of us that is unseen. We are unified as one. When we become unified, we are then allowed to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So when you see the, the apple bite of the apple corporation, they are telling you of a higher consciousness where they've unified their complementary halves, which is the amalgamation of duality. When you understand there's a language going on, then you start to read it. Sometimes it takes effort. You know, if, if I was to go to Japan or China or wherever, it would take certain effort on my part to speak the language. The language of the world in, in, a, in a secret knowledge way is through codes, it is through symbols. And you, say, you say it's a secret way, Michael, but yes, it's secret in the sense that we don't know it. We don't know it consciously. But isn't it merely the archetypes of what's already existed that, that we're seeing and it's coming back out by people like yourself who's sharing this information? It's yes. not, are they there to throw us off or are they there as, as an internal landscape that's manifesting itself back out? What is happening is, is symbols is an advanced language and the writers of the advanced language set the bar at a certain level, at a certain height. And what they've said is, when you reach that height, you'll then be able to jump. And 
it is secret by terms of people don't understand what it means. I mean, you can, you can turn around and say, well, it's not secret if we know it exists, but the meaning of it is secret. The, the church knows that it exists, but the true meaning of it was hidden from the church. So, yes, it is not secret by, by matter of the fact that you can see that there's, there's codes and the symbols, because there's more and more people saying that there's codes and symbols. But you have to read the language of the codes and symbols and what it means. You know, you can look at a geometric shape and you can say, yeah, there's the pentagram. I know what the pentagram means because I've just heard it on, on a radio show. But there is what is known as a bilateral configuration, which means that within a geometric shape, there's also another one. There's also another one. And it is put together with another geometric shape at a certain distance to create an invisible geometric shape. You have to see these things and realise that these things are here. And you have to understand what they were telling us. Because when you understand what they were telling us, then you have reached the level of the bar that they set in order for people to understand what they were saying. And that is why if you ever read the Bible as a book, if you ever read the Quran or the Torah or, or the Grant or any of these books as a book, you will never understand its true meaning because it is not a book. Mm. You say it's not a book. Would you say... Could you could you say it's an encoded book, an encoded text? It's it's certainly encoded. I mean, by, by that I mean, if, if I was now to, to go out to Warsaw or Birmingham or, or anywhere else, and I was to have a thousand Bibles in my hand, and I was to hand them out to people passing by, and I said to them, "Read this," I will guarantee a thousand of them, or if not, it wouldn't be many short of a thousand. Pick it up, read it from left to right as a book. You don't read it that way, you read it from right to left, which is the first point. Because the Hebrews, the rabbis, the Kabbalah, who, who, who the Bible is a division of, of, of their scriptures, which incidentally came from a much older Egyptian theology. But when you look at the five books of the Torah, the five books of Moses, the Hebrews and the rabbis write from right to left read from right to left their alphabet is from right to left because that is taking you towards your spiritual center which is your heart the way in which we've been taught is left to right which is taken us away from our spiritual center so the first thing that you do with the five books of moses which make up the torah genesis to deuteronomy you're reading from deuteronomy to genesis you're reading backwards from right to left now when you look at, at the text you have to look really it's Hebraic topology, which is, which is several layers of, of meaning. And what they've done cleverly, again, some, some of the things that they refer to as secret code for the Roman Empire and, and Nero and, and different things, you know, deliver us from evil is really deliver us from the evil one. He's talking about the Roman Empire, the Babylon. But what they've done cleverly is there's three coded languages of the Bible, as an example, which is Hebrew, Greek, and English. In order to understand them, you have to understand the codes of the three coded languages. So if I'm a, a Hebrew mystic, or I understand Hebrew mysticism as the Romans did, then I can look at the Bible and I can see the Hebrew codes, but I can't understand the Greek codes, and I can't necessarily understand the English codes. If I'm a Greek mystic, I can recognize the, the Greek mystical codes, but not the Hebrew or the English ones, and so on and so on. So what they've done 
is that I think how did it within several languages? And it goes from one to the other. So you need to understand the mystic or the mysticism of all of those languages to understand what it's really talking about. It's level on level upon level of coded information. And that is how they've hidden this sacred knowledge. And yes, it's been deciphered. When you look at the Bible, the Bible really tells you of a, it's a story, but people have believe in the story as an absolute reality. The story is to convey a message that is deeper than the story. But people have stopped at that level. You know, I mean, when, when, you're, on a, when you're on a battleship and you have a submarine below the ocean and you want to hit that submarine with your depth charges, you have to get to the right depth to, to, to hit it. And that is now different to ancient writings. Unless your, unless your depth charges are the, are the correct depth, you're going to miss the submarine. And that submarine is going to continue below the surface, taking the wisdom and the knowledge out of sight. And it's really how they've done it. And they've done that in the pyramids. You know, when you look at what is the original Bible, well, that is the Giza pattern. Everything that you find in the Bible, you find within the nine pyramids, especially the Great Pyramid of Giza, because that is the original Bible. Now, the Hebrews and the Kabbalah took that, and it was later diluted into what we have as Christianity. But Christianity really is, is Egyptian theology that comes through the Hebrew tongue. If, if some, somebody says to me, and as they did a few months ago, Merry Christmas, well, Merry Christmas means pyramid burial. But you have to know that to, to understand what the true meaning of, of, of Merry Christmas. You can say Merry Christmas, which is, which is the surface, but pyramid burial is the submarine that people are not seeing uh, until they are ready to. And then, and the beauty of you know hieroglyphs and Nazca lines and crop circles, and the kind of way in which which this information has been encrypted in, in sacred writings, is you will only find it when you are spiritually mature enough to see it. And when you are spiritually mature enough to see it, then you take the right actions with the information. So. <laughs> If that's the case, how do we have people uh, pulling a, pulling the strings across the world today who must have information like some, at least some of this, what you're talking about? If that's true, where you say they will do the right action with the, inf with the knowledge, why are they doing what they're doing? Because the knowledge that they have has been degraded into black magic. So instead of using that knowledge for the good of all, they've degraded it for the good of self. So when, when somebody who's been an, an initiate, and basically an, a, an initiate really, is to expand the body's capabilities to accept greater divine frequencies. And the initiates, certainly in the ancient past, took many, many years to establish the foundation of the body which could take, take that kind of frequency. You know, if you put a, a plug into the socket now with a dodgy wire, it's going to blow. And that what happens to the nerve endings. That's what happens to the body when you're not ready for the divine energies. So those who were once in possession of that knowledge, when they fall, they fall further than the people who never had that knowledge. Mm -hmm. But what we have is, is the people who had privy to this knowledge that have degraded it to black magic. You know, when you look at the black magic in, in, in modern-day society, when you impose your will against someone 
that is black magic. We see that every day of our life, people imposing upon us, governments, authorities imposing upon us. That is a system of black magic, the black arts. And that is what we are living under. It is for the benefit of them, not for the benefit of all. So yes, they have a higher knowledge, but they don't have a spiritual maturity that goes with that knowledge. And again, I, 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 I use the, the, the scenario of if I pick up a knife, my intention is to use that to cut food. Someone's intent, other intention may be to hurt someone with that knife, but it's still a knife. It depends on your maturity, depends upon what you do with that information, with that object. And their knowledge has been degraded to the black arts, to black magic, which is what we are now suffering. So yes, they have a higher knowledge, but they're using it for the good of themselves, not for the good of all. And for the good of themselves, would that be greed, consumption? Yeah. Fairly basic stuff, just money, power, wealth. Which is materialistic, which mm. is the Lord of Satan. Mm. And what do we have? How many people do you see in, in this circuit that are saying, well, we live in a satanic consciousness? Well, what does that actually mean? It means the lust for matter, the lust for power, the lust for greed, the lust for money the lust for destroying things because it makes us a quick buck today, the lust for my company has made 5 billion profit this year, it has to be 10 next year because that's not enough. That is the law of Satan. That is the law of matter. That's what it is. And that is the people who are now ruling the planet, who are destroying the planet because they're making money from it. It's all become about greed, the lust for power, the lust for control, the lust for, for surveillance, because we can control people when we know exactly what they're going to do, when they're going to do it, because we're going to tell them when they're going to do it. And that really is, is, is the situation that we have ourselves in at the moment, that their will is being imposed upon us, which is the black arts, which is black magic. So it's a higher knowledge that they're aware of, but they're using it for the wrong means. If they were using it for the right means, humanity would be thousands of years ahead of what it is now. But if we go back to that divine plan again, there isn't a hair out of place, is there? Or is there? Yeah, well, <laughs> the, the, air, the, the air is out of place is because someone has manipulated the comb, the brush, and it has given us a hairstyle that we don't necessarily want. So what is happening now with, with, with the divine plan is a new comb is taking back control or is going to take back control and put the centre part in back the right way because we there are multiple as i said there's multiple existences around us but there's also multiple timelines and we are on the wrong one and we've been taken off the right timeline and when we start to get ourselves back on the right timeline things are, are going to change it's been written and there's, there's, there's different religions that are that are interpreted differently but it is written within the likes of the great pyramid that there will be a seventh civilization of humanity. The seventh civilization of humanity, and again, number seven is, is pinnacle in the third dimensional world. You know, Orion is seven, you have seven chakras, there's the seven continents, the seven wonders of the world, seventh heaven, it, it's, it's pinnacle. Mm. So the seventh civilization are the flame bearers, your Olympic torch, your Statue of Liberty. It is the illumination race that will return the, the, the capstone of the pyramid. That seventh civilization, will take out from the six 
which is the fall, the fall of man. And that is what is happening now. When, 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 when I used to sort of nip in and out of the new age many, many decades ago, they always used to talk about an ascension, about a consciousness shift, about, and, and they believed that was people were just going to drop their handbags and just float into, into the heavens. But really, the consciousness shift is what we see now, which is the separation between those who see it and those who don't. Those who don't are going to be called to prison. Those who do will continue the journey into high vibration somewhere else. That is that is the, 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 the sixth and the seventh separation. And that's spoken about in, in ancient texts many, many, many thousands of years ago. This is happening. Mm-hmm. And that's what will happen. So to the point of people who, uh, let's say, live a righteous life, virtuous life, let's suppose, as you've suggested uh, in this conversation, that they, they get a higher level of knowledge and they can pass the exam. There is no need to come back to this place. Is that what you'd suggest? You wouldn't be back on planet Earth. You'd, you'd move on to, well, whatever it would be. And the people who failed the exam would come back, keep coming back, coming back, coming back until, as the Buddhists suggest, uh, the, the will of samsara, you're continuing until you pass the exam. Is that something you 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 buy into that? I I, I buy into it in, in, in yes, in essence. Mm. Yes, in essence, because when you look at the fact that the universe is, is frequency-based, mm. when you look at the fact that humans are frequency-based, when you look at everything in existence that we're aware of is frequency-based, it has a vibration. Even at zero, it still has a vibration. Nothing stops vibrating. Mm. You also have compatibility of frequency. So if you are at the low frequency or, or the frequency that, that is currently the earth plane, then you are compatible to come back to the earth plane. If you are not compatible with that frequency, then you're not coming back. And it goes, it takes us full circle to what I was saying earlier about what are ET, largely they are advanced spiritual humans who weren't coming back because of their increased frequency but they increased the journey at a more compatible star system, which was at their, their level set for that frequency. So even though they began as us, they are us, they are our brothers, they are spiritually advanced humans. And when you look at the likes of Renders from Forest, and again, I wasn't there, I can only see documented what people have written. One of the, the airmen said to one of the visitors, who are you? And the visitor said, we are you in the future. The future, the past. Again, when, when you start understanding that the future really is cause and effect simultaneously. When you get to, to a level where you can see cause and effect simultaneously, you can see into the future. I know personally that I've taken my consciousness back into the past. So I know from a personal perspective that it happens. So I do buy into the fact that there is a compatibility of vibration, a compatibility of frequency. And if you are not compatible with that frequency, you go elsewhere. So if you wish to continue at a low maturity, and when you're talking about tests, the tests that are now part of our daily life, that are challenges, that are tests, that are decisions at crossroads of our life, 
they are modern day initiations. In the past, these initiations were done within the temple walls where there were certain challenges, where there were certain tests of initiation. But that, in modern day, now equates to life. And I can pinpoint many, many things in my life when I've looked back at the stages of initiation, mm-hmm. they equate exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, I am being initiated and so are other people. So when you you say tests, you know, that there's never there's never necessarily a wrong or a right answer. It is an experience. It is a way of knowing what not to do or what to do. But these tests are initiations. And it is initiation that is expanding you to taking higher divine frequencies. And those who expand themselves and those who have prepared themselves and want to expand themselves will not be of a compatible frequency to the earth plane. That's what I, that's my view on things. And yes, there's other cultures that have, that have said the same thing in different ways. But that's, that's my take on sort of an old, an old message. Uh, so practically, what can people do as, uh, from your perspective to vibe more expansively? The thing to, to vibrate more expansively is to stop allowing yourself to be caught in a quagmire of, of duality. And as we're talking about, you know, the Twitter arguments, the, the, the different things, you do not involve yourself in them because that will keep you at a low vibration. To step away and not get involved in that, just as a, a very, very you know, small example, to step away from that is a higher consciousness because you're not being dragged down into it. If you are being dragged into it constantly, you will be kept at a low ebb. If you are constantly watching the mainstream news and you are believing the mainstream news, you will be kept at a low ebb. If you are continually worrying about things, which again is deliberate, because daily struggles take you further and further and further into matter, which is where they want you. If you realise that you are being manipulated, if you realise that by playing their game, a game that they've played for a long time and they're particularly good at, you are being kept at their level of control. How do you vibe? You don't get involved in it. You don't get dragged into it. You start to have thoughts outside of your reality. You start to look at information that is outside of your normal teachings. You do things that are going to advance you. You know, if I if I pick up a guitar and I learn chords G and D, and all I ever do for the rest of my guitaring career is play G and D, I'm never going to advance as a guitarist. But if I start bringing in different notes and different chords and start doing different riffs, that's going to advance me. So I start doing things outside of your comfort zone, start doing things outside of what you would normally do, think outside what you would normally think, and educate yourself outside your normal perimeters of education. And these are the ways in which you expand yourself and increase your vibrations. Now, this kind of this kind of knowledge that is on offer naturally does that anyway, because it, this knowledge is, is, is at a higher vibration. And when you clip yourself to its wings, you fly with it. You know, we have a lot of symbology of wings throughout the ancient world. You know, use them. Walk on the wings of the wind and, and take yourself outside of your comfort zone because this is what will expand you. Don't just stop in one room. You know, there's more than one room. There's many houses. There's the outside. Go out and expand yourself. And then that's, that's the most practical and easiest way of doing it.
Yeah, there was many rooms in my father's mansion. Not just one. Mm. Mm. Not just one. Yeah. Um, Mark Love, I've loved talking to you again. Uh, it's been an hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes. Um, and I think I've, I've took a lot of your time. Um, you've, you're releasing a book soon, um, I believe. It's called... Well, t- tell us about it, about the well, pyramids. It, 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 basically, yeah, I mean, for, for a couple of years now, I've had no inspiration at all to, to write, <clears throat> other than articles, blogs, did different things. But in terms of the book, I've not had the, the inspiration to do that. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in my favourite chair at home and the inspiration came in. And again, when I was saying that things come in collectively, the inspiration, deep, deep, strong uh, inspiration came in. The title of the book came in and the format that it will take came in in the same instant. The book is is going to be called Who Built the Pyramids? it doesn't just deal with the pyramids, it deals with the likes of Stonehenge, it deals with artifacts and monuments on other planets. It connects them all, it tells you who built them, it tells you how they built them, it tells you in more detail why they built them. So that's going to be who built the pyramids, which is now 80,000 words in the last week. That is, that's how quick it's come through. So it's going to be advanced, advanced teaching in terms of coming from the views of the initiates, the views of the high priests, the views of the, the views of the pharaohs, who were the sons of God, who were the knowledge keepers of the planet. <clears throat> and it's pretty much information that's coming directly from them in terms of how they operated the technology they had, how they built the pyramids, why they built the pyramids, how were they in collusion with the divine force. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so that, that's that's what's coming. Uh, and, and, and the reason it's coming out now, again, it, it corresponds largely with the reintroduction in, into society of this advanced ancient knowledge, which is timed now the 17th, 360-year cycle. Okay, and where can, where, how long do you, is it until you think that's written and, and ready to release? I would probably say in the next month. Okay. Uh, so it, it, will, it will be out, Sim, simply because I, I feel now, whereas in the past when, when I write a book, it's literally done from cover to cover within a week or so. But this time, it feels like the information is is serious. Not that the other books weren't serious, but but it just feels like an, a, an intensive, intensified, should we say, adult adulthood about this this this, this book, mm-hmm. and it's important and, and it needs to be allowed to ferment correctly. So I don't feel any any immediate rush to do it, <clears throat> but without feeling the urgency to do it, it's still progressing extremely fast. But it's it, it's a, it's progressing at a mature level, and it's a, at a mature level that I wanted it to progress. So I would say probably about a month or so, and, and that will obviously be announced and, and just take people into an advanced teaching. It answers the questions that, to my knowledge, uh, and all the research that I do, I come across a lot of theories, a lot of opinions, but to my knowledge, the answers that I put in this book have not been discussed. Yes, people say the pyramids were built by Hebrew slaves, this is how people say they were created by extraterrestrials, but it is none of those. So it, it sort of deals with with this and with, with this question: Who put Stonehenge there? Why? How? Who put the pyramids there? How? Why? Why are all these monuments all over the world and off planet? Well, this book will tell you why and who and how. 
and that really is something that I've not come across anybody else discussing. So we will take it to to the next level of people who wish to to, to know and be taking that. Okay, Mark, we'll send it to me when you're uh, when it's done and, and released, and I'll, I'll put it out to my audience. Uh, hopefully, get a few sales and that through there. Michael Feely, thank you for joining me. That's great. Thank, thank you again. It's uh, always a pleasure. Keep in touch. Bye bye.